Section 9 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas, and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. I was once more my own master, at liberty to go where I pleased, at my own expense, and immediately we commenced making arrangements for our journey to Palenque. We had no time to lose. It was a thousand miles distant, and the rainy season was approaching, during which part of the road was impassable. There was no one in the city who had ever made the journey. The archbishop, on his exit from Guatemala eight years before, had fled by that road, and since his time it had not been travelled by any resident of Guatemala. But we learned enough to satisfy us that it would be less difficult to reach Palenque from New York than from where we were. We had many preparations to make, and from the impossibility of getting servants upon whom we could rely, were obliged to attend to all the details ourselves. The captain was uncertain what to do with himself, and talked of going with us. The next morning, as we were returning to the house, we noticed a line of soldiers at the corner of the street. As usual, we gave them the sidewalk, and in crossing, I remarked to the captain that they eyed us sharply and spoke to each other. The line extended past my door and up to the corner of the next street. Supposing that they were searching for General Guzman or other officers of General Morazan, who were thought to be secreted in the city, and that they would not spare my house, I determined to make no difficulty and let them search. We went in, and the porter, with great agitation, told us that the soldiers were in pursuit of the captain. He had hardly finished when an officer entered to summon the captain before the corregidor. The captain turned as pale as death. I do not mean it as an imputation upon his courage, any other man would have done the same. I was as much alarmed as he, and told him that, if he said so, I would fasten the doors. But he answered it was of no use. They would break them down, and it was better for him to go with the officers. I followed him to the door, telling him not to make any confessions, not to commit himself, and that I would be with him in a few minutes. I saw at once that the affair was out of the hands of the chief of the state, and had got before an inferior tribunal. Mr. Catherwood and Mr. Savage entered in time to see the captain moving down the street with his escort. Mr. S., who had charge of my house during my absence, and had hoisted the American flag during the attack upon the city, had lived so long in that country and had beheld so many scenes of horror, that he was not easily disturbed, and knew exactly what to do. He accompanied me to the cabildo, where we found the captain sitting bolt upright within the railing, and the corregidor and his clerk, with pen, ink, and paper, an ominous formality, examining him. His face brightened at sight of the only man in Guatemala who took the least interest in his fate. Fortunately, the corregidor was an acquaintance, who had been pleased with the interest I took in the sword of Alvarado, an interesting relic in his custody. 
and was one of the many whom I found in that country proud of showing attentions to a foreign agent. I claimed the captain as a traveling companion, said that we had a rough journey together, and I did not like to lose sight of him. He welcomed me back to Guatemala, and appreciated the peril I must have encountered in meeting on the road the tyrant Morazan. The captain took advantage of the opportunity to detach himself, without any compunctions, from such dangerous fellowship. And we conversed till it was too dark to write, when I suggested that, as it was dangerous to be out at night, I wished to take the captain home with me, and would be responsible for his forthcoming. He assented with great courtesy, and told the captain to return at nine o'clock the next morning. The captain was immensely relieved, but he had already made up his mind that he had come to Guatemala on a trading expedition, and to make great use of his gold chains. The next day the examination was resumed. The captain certainly did not commit himself by any confessions. Indeed, the revolution in his sentiments was most extraordinary. The Guatemala air was fatal to partialities for Morazan. The examination, by favor of the corregidor, was satisfactory, but the captain was advised to leave the city. In case of any excitement, he would be in danger. Carrera was expected from Quetzaltenango in a few days, and if he took it up, which he was not unlikely to do, it might be a bad business. The captain did not need any urging. A council was held to determine which way he should go, and the road to the port was the only one open. He had a horse and one cargo mule, and wanted another for those trunks. I had seven in my yard, and told him to take one. On a bright morning he pulled off his frock coat, put on his traveling dress, mounted, and set off for Belize. I watched him as he rode down the street till he was out of sight. Poor captain, where is he now? The next time I saw him was at my own house in New York. He was taken sick at Belize, and got on board a brig bound for Boston, was there at the time of my arrival, and came on to see me and the last I saw of him, afraid to return across the country to get the account sales of his ship, he was about to embark for the Isthmus of Panama, cross over, and go up the Pacific. I was knocked about myself in that country, but I think the captain will not soon forget his campaign with Morazan. At this time I received a visit from a countryman, whom I regretted not to have seen before. It was Dr. Weems of Maryland, who had resided several years at the Antigua, and lately returned from a visit to the United States with an appointment as consul. He came to consult me in regard to the result of my search for a government, as he was on the track with his own credentials. The doctor advised me not to undertake the journey to Palenque. In my race from Nicaragua, I had cheered myself with the idea that on reaching Guatemala all difficulty was over, and that our journey to Palenque would be attended only by the hardships of traveling in a country destitute of accommodations. But unfortunately the horizon in that direction was lowering. 
the whole mass of the indian population of los altos was in a state of excitement and there were whispers of a general rising and massacre of the whites general prem to whom i have before referred and his wife while traveling toward mexico had been attacked by a band of assassins he himself was left on the ground for dead and his wife murdered her fingers cut off and the rings torn from them lieutenant nichols the aide-de-camp of colonel macdonald arrived from the belize with a report that captain caddy and mr walker who had set out for palenque by the belize river had been speared by the indians and there was a rumor of some dreadful atrocity committed by carrera in quetzaltenango and that he was hurrying back from that place infuriate with the intention of bringing all the prisoners out into the plaza and shooting them every friend in guatemala and mr chatfield particularly urged us not to undertake the journey we felt that it was a most inauspicious moment and almost shrunk i have no hesitation in saying that it was a matter of most serious consideration whether we should not abandon it altogether and go home but we had set out with the purpose of going to palenque and could not return without seeing it among the petty difficulties of fitting ourselves i may mention that we wanted four iron chains for trunks but could only get two for every blacksmith in the place was making chains for the prisoners in a week from the time of my arrival everything was ready for our departure we provided ourselves with all the facilities and safeguards that could be procured besides passports the government furnished us special letters of recommendation to all the corregidors a flattering notice appeared in the government paper el tiempo mentioning my travels through the provinces and my intended route and recommending me to hospitality and upon the strength of the letter of the archbishop of baltimore the venerable provisor gave me a letter of recommendation to all the curas under his charge but these were not enough carrera's name was worth more than them all and we waited two days for his return from quetzaltenango on the sixth of april early in the morning he entered the city at about nine o'clock i called at his house and was informed that he was in bed had ridden all night and would not rise till the afternoon the rumor of the atrocity committed at that place was confirmed after dinner in company with mr savage i made my last stroll in the suburbs of the city i never felt as at that moment its exceeding beauty of position and for the third time i visited the hospital and cemetery of san juan de dios in front was the hospital a noble structure formerly a convent supported principally by the active charity of don mariano Aicinena. in the centre of the courtyard was a fine fountain and beyond it the cemetery which was established at the time of the cholera the entrance was a broad passage with a high wall on each side intended for the burial of heretics there was but one grave and the stone bore the inscription teodoro Achado de la religion reformada july nineteenth eighteen thirty seven 
at the end of this passage was a dead house in which lay on separate beds the bodies of two men both poor one entirely naked with his legs drawn up as though no friend had been by to straighten them and the other wrapped in matting on the right of the passage a door entered into a square enclosure in which were vaults built above the ground bearing the names of the wealthy inhabitants of the city on the left a door opened into an enclosure running in the rear of the dead house about seven hundred and fifty feet long and three hundred wide the walls were high and thick and the graves were square recesses lengthwise in the wall three tiers deep each closed up with a flat stone on which the name of the occupant was inscribed these two were for the rich the area was filled with the graves of the common people and in one place was a square of new-made earth under which lay the bodies of about four hundred men killed in the attack upon the city the table of land commanded a view of the green plain of guatemala and the volcanoes of the antigua beautiful flowers were blooming over the graves and a voice seemed to say oh do not pluck these flowers they're sacred to the dead a bier approached with the body of a woman which was buried without any coffin nearby was a line of new-made graves waiting for tenants they were dug through skeletons and skulls and bones lay in heaps beside them i rolled three skulls together with my foot it was a gloomy leave-taking of guatemala the earth slipped under my feet and i fell backward but saved myself by stepping across a new-made grave i verily believe that if i had fallen into it i should have been superstitious and afraid to set out on my journey i have mentioned that there were rumors in the city of some horrible outrage committed by carrera at quetzaltenango he had set out from guatemala in pursuit of morazan near the antigua he met one of his own soldiers from quetzaltenango who reported that there had been a rising in that town and the garrison were compelled to lay down their arms enraged at this intelligence he abandoned his pursuit of morazan and without even advising the government of his change of plan marched to quetzaltenango and among other minor outrages seized eighteen of the municipality the first men of the state and without the slightest form of trial shot them in the plaza and to heighten the gloom which this news cast over the city a rumor preceded him that immediately on his arrival he intended to order out all the prisoners and shoot them also at this time the repressed excitement in the city was fearful an immense relief was experienced on the repulse of morazan but there had been no rejoicing and again the sword seemed suspended by a single hair and here i would remark as at a place where it has no immediate connection with what precedes or what follows and consequently where no application of it can be made that some matters of deep personal interest which illustrate more than volumes the dreadful state of the country i am obliged 
to withhold altogether lest perchance these pages should find their way to guatemala and compromise individuals in my long journey i had had intercourse with men of all parties and was spoken to freely and sometimes confidentially heretofore in all the wars and revolutions the whites had the controlling influence but at this time the indians were the dominant power roused from the sloth of ages and with muskets in their hands their gentleness was changed into ferocity and even among the adherents of the carrera party there was a fearful apprehension of a war of castes and a strong desire on the part of those who could get away to leave the country i was consulted by men having houses and large landed estates but who could only command two or three thousand dollars in money as to their ability to live on that sum in the united states and individuals holding high offices under the central party told me that they had their passports from mexico and were ready at a moment to fly there seemed ground for the apprehension that the hour of retributive justice was nigh and that a spirit was awakened among the indians to make a bloody offering to the spirits of their fathers and recover their inheritance carrera was the pivot on which this turned he was talked of as el rey de los indios the king of the indians he had relieved them from all taxes and as they said supported his army by levying contributions upon the whites his power by a word to cause the massacre of every white inhabitant no one doubted their security was as i conceived that in the constant action of his short career he had not had time to form any plans for extended dominion and knew nothing of the immense country from texas to cape horn occupied by a race sympathizing in hostility to the whites he was a fanatic and to a certain extent under the dominion of the priests and his own acuteness told him that he was more powerful with the indians themselves while supported by the priests and the aristocracy than at the head of the indians only but all knew that in the moment of passion he forgot entirely the little of plan or policy that ever governed him and when he returned from quetzaltenango his hands red with blood and preceded by the fearful rumor that he intended to bring out two or three hundred prisoners and shoot them the citizens of guatemala felt that they stood on the brink of a fearful gulf a leading member of the government whom i wished to call with me upon him and ask him for his passport declined doing so lest as he said carrera should think the government was trying to lead him others paid him formal visits of ceremony and congratulation upon his return and compared notes with each other as to the manner in which they were received carrera made no report official or verbal of what he had done and though all were full of it no one of them dared ask him any questions or refer to it 
they will perhaps pronounce me a calumniator but even at the hazard of wounding their feelings i cannot withhold what i believe to be a true picture of the state of the country as it was at that time unable to induce any of the persons i wished to call with me upon carrera afraid after such a long interval and such exciting scenes as he had been engaged in that he might not recognize me and feeling that it was all important not to fail in my application to him i remembered that in my first interview he had spoken warmly of a doctor who had extracted a ball from his side the doctor i did not know but i called upon him and asked him to accompany me to which with great civility he immediately assented it was under these circumstances that i made my last visit to carrera he had removed into a much larger house and his guard was more regular and formal when i entered he was standing behind a table on one side of the room with his wife and rivera paz and one or two others examining some large costa rica chains and at the moment he had one in his hands which had formed part of the contents of those trunks of my friend the captain and which had often adorned his neck i think it would have given the captain a spasm if he had known that anything once around his neck was between carrera's fingers his wife was a pretty delicate-looking mestizo not more than twenty and seemed to have a woman's fondness for chains and gold carrera himself looked at them with indifference my idea at the time was that these jewels were sent in by the government as a present to his wife and through her to propitiate him but perhaps i was wrong the face of rivera paz seemed anxious carrera had passed through so many terrible scenes since i saw him that i feared he had forgotten me but he recognized me in a moment and made room for me behind the table next to himself his military coat lay on the table and he wore the same roundabout jacket his face had the same youthfulness quickness and intelligence his voice and manners the same gentleness and seriousness and he had again been wounded i regretted to meet rivera paz there for i thought it must be mortifying to him as the head of the government to see that his passport was not considered a protection without carrera's endorsement but i could not stand upon ceremony and took advantage of carrera's leaving the table to say to him that i was setting out on a dangerous road and considered it indispensable to fortify myself with all the security i could get when carrera returned i told him my purpose that i had waited only for his return showed him the passport of the government and asked him to put his stamp upon it carrera had no delicacy in the matter and taking the passport out of my hand threw it on the table saying he would make me out a new one and sign it himself this was more than i expected but in a quiet way telling me to be seated he sent his wife into another room for the secretary and told him to make out a passport for the consul of the north he had an indefinite idea that i was a great man in my own country but he had a very indefinite idea as to where my country was 
I was not particular about my title, so that it was big enough, but the north was rather a broad range, and to prevent mistakes I gave the secretary the other passport. He took it into another room, and Carrera sat down at the table beside me. He had heard of my having met Morazan on his retreat, and inquired about him, though less anxiously than others, but he spoke more to the purpose, said that he was making preparations, and that in a week he intended to march upon San Salvador with three thousand men, adding that if he had had cannon, he would have driven Morazan from the plaza very soon. I asked him whether it was true that he and Morazan met personally on the heights of Calvary, and he said that they did, that it was toward the last of the battle, when the latter was retreating. One of Morazan's dismounted troopers tore off his holsters. Morazan fired a pistol at him, and he struck at Morazan with his sword, and cut his saddle. Morazan, he said, had very handsome pistols, and it struck me that he thought if he had killed Morazan he would have got the pistols. I could not but think of the strange positions into which I was thrown, shaking hands and sitting side by side with men who were thirsting for each other's blood, well received by all, hearing what they said of each other, and in many cases their plans and purposes, as unreservedly as if I was a traveling member of both cabinets. In a few minutes the secretary called him, and he went out and brought back the passport himself, signed with his own hand, the ink still wet. It had taken him longer than it would have done to cut off a head, and he seemed more proud of it. Indeed, it was the only occasion in which I saw in him the slightest elevation of feeling. I made a comment upon the excellence of the handwriting, and with his good wishes for my safe arrival in the north, and speedy return to Guatemala, I took my leave. Now I do not believe, if he knew what I say of him, that he would give me a very cordial welcome. But I believe him honest, and if he knew how and could curb his passions, he would do more good for Central America than any other man in it. I was now fortified with the best security we could have for our journey. We passed the evening in writing letters and packing up things to be sent home, among which was my diplomatic coat, and on the 7th of April we rose to set out. The first movement was to take down our beds. Every man in that country has a small cot called a carteret, made to double with a hinge, which may be taken down and wrapped up, with pillows and bedclothes into an ox-hide to carry on a journey. Our great object was to travel lightly. Every additional mule and servant gave additional trouble, but we could not do with less than a cargo mule apiece. Each of us had two petacas, trunks made of ox-hide lined with thin straw matting, having a top like that of a box, secured by a clumsy iron chain with large padlocks, containing, besides other things, a hammock, blanket, one pair of sheets, and pillow, which, with alforgas of provisions, made one load apiece. We carried one carteret in case of sickness. We had one spare cargo mule, 
the gray mule with which i had ascended the volcano of cartago and my macho for mr catherwood and myself and a horse for relief in all six animals and two mozos or men of all work untried while in the act of mounting don saturnino tinoca my companion from zonzonate rode into the yard to accompany us two days on our journey we bade farewell to mr savage my first last and best friend and in a few minutes with a mingled feeling of regret and satisfaction left for the last time the barrier of guatemala don saturnino was most welcome to our party his purpose was to visit two brothers of his wife curas whom he had never seen and who lived at santiago atitan two or three days journey distant his father was the last governor of nicaragua under the royal rule with a large estate which was confiscated at the time of the revolution he still had a large hacienda there and had brought up a stock of mules to sell at san salvador and intended to lay out the proceeds in goods in guatemala he was about forty tall and as thin as a man could be to have activity and vigor wore a roundabout jacket and trousers of dark olive cloth large pistols in his holsters and a long sword with a leather scabbard worn at the point leaving about an inch of steel naked he sat his mule as stiff as if he had swallowed his own sword holding the reins in his right hand with his left arm crooked from the elbow standing out like a pump handle the hand dropping from the wrist and shaking with the movement of the mule he rode on a mexican saddle plated with silver and carried behind a pair of alforgas with bread and cheese and atole a composition of pounded parched corn cocoa and sugar which mixed with water was almost his living his mozo was as fat as he was lean and wore a bell-crowned straw hat cotton shirt and drawers reaching down to his knees excepting that instead of rocinante and the ass the master rode a mule and the servant went afoot they were a genuine don quixote and sancho panza the former of which appellations very early in our acquaintance we gave to don saturnino we set out for quetzaltenango but intended to turn aside and visit ruins and that day we went three leagues out of our road to say farewell to our friend padre alcantra at ciudad vieja at five o'clock in the afternoon we reached the convent where i had the pleasure of meeting again padre alcantra senor vidauri and don pepe the same party with whom i had passed the day with so much satisfaction before mr catherwood had in the meantime passed a month at the convent padre alcantra had fled at the approach of the tyrant morazan don pepe had had a shot at him as he was retreating from the antigua and the padre had a musket left at night by a flying soldier against the wall of the convent the morning opened with troubles the gray mule was sick don saturnino bled her on both sides of her neck but the poor animal was not in a condition to be ridden shortly afterward mr catherwood had one of the mozos by the throat 
but padre alcantara patched up a piece don saturnino said that the gray mule would be better for exercise and for the last time we bade farewell to our kind host end of section nine